right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Solly here. Hope everyone is uh, having safe travels around this Thanksgiving period. Uh, we have a good interview here coming up with Joaquin Neiman. Still can't believe this guy is 22 years old. I feel like he's been on PGA Tour for about eight years now. Uh, touch on his background coming from Chile, how he got into competitive golf and uh, President's Cup, Royal Melbourne, Augusta, all kinds of stuff. You guys are really going to enjoy that. Our friends at Precision Pro Golf are starting their their Black Friday deals early this year. Uh, you all know this. Everyone here at No Laying Up trusts Precision Pro Golf's rangefinders to help us swing with confidence and hit more greens. And we use their NX9 slope rangefinder throughout our trip to Bandon Dunes. Uh, it helps knowing the precise distance to the flag and helped us all to play our best at times. Uh, DJ, of course, played his best round ever. An awesome 72 on Bandon Trails that hopefully you guys saw in last week's episode. And hopefully, we uh, we like to think that the rangefinder played a small part in helping him play that way. He gave it to Squid. We gave Squid a Precision Pro, uh, and Squid, of course, was the one that ushered him around. But way to go, DJ. Uh, starting now, you can get the NX9 Series rangefinder for $50 off. It is the best sale of the entire year. And again, it starts right now. So whether you're shopping for yourself or that golfer you love this holiday season, a Precision Pro Golf rangefinder is the perfect gift. And if, if you want one, like just send maybe just send the idea, send the link to a significant other or a family member. It's a perfect stocking stuffer. It comes with a 90-day money-back guarantee, two-year warranty, only rangefinder that offers free lifetime battery replacement services. Again, it's a limited-time offer, so don't wait. Go to precisionprogolf.com and add our favorite rangefinder to your bag for $50 off. Swing with confidence, hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. Let's get to Joaquin Neiman. All right. Admittedly, I have uh, no idea what the golf landscape is like in Chile. I know I did. There's a PGA Tour video that it looked like they came down there and spent some time with you and your family, and that was that was helpful. But I think a lot of the listeners probably feel the same. So tell me about your background in golf. I know it's not a long story. You're 22 years old, but uh, how did you get into golf and where you are today? Yeah. So I started playing golf because my dad was playing golf, like just like weekends, like just for fun. And I was lucky enough to live like really close to a golf course. So every time I finish school, I'll, I'll go to the golf course until it gets dark. Since I was probably like two, three years old, I always walk around my house with a golf club, uh, play with uh, plastic clubs. And that's how I started. I mean, I never stopped playing since then. And I, I think every time I played is the more I enjoyed it. Well, it seems like for a lot of top players, the story from everyone that grows up with them and their parents were was, you know, oh, he, he was a natural, she was a natural. But sometimes that can kind of glance over a lot of the work that goes into it. So were you really as much of a natural at golf as your parents say you were? Yeah, it was, it was funny because so when I was probably like two years old, it wasn't like my dad gave me, hey, here you got golf clubs and now come on, start swinging. It wasn't like that. It was more like, uh, some random gift he gave me it was like three plastic clubs i got a picture he was like playing on the backyard of my house with the with carrying carrying the bag and uh, it was just a random gift i i, I have my dad and i don't know how i just start swinging the club from 
from nowhere <laughs> and just swinging the club all the time. And my father was like looking at me like, oh, man, he, he can swing and I haven't teaching anything. Like he just grabbed the club and started swinging. So that was kind of funny. And he noticed that I, I enjoyed it and I like it. And he started taking me out to the course. Well, what's the competitive landscape like for a junior golfer uh, in Chile? And, and when did you start traveling the world for, for golf competition? And what was that experience like? Yeah, in Chile. So Chile is has been good the last couple of years. Uh, I remember when I started playing, because it's different the way we play there than we play here. Because every every tournament they have in every club is is like is bigger. Because we play with professionals, we play with we we play with every kind of category. I mean, at, on the same on the same week they got seniors, they got uh, ladies playing, and also the professionals. So when you're like 14 and 15 and and you know that you can play good and and you wanna dedicate your life for golf and you're playing against professional that's like a lot of motivation for us because we we wanna beat them you know and i think the main thing about chile that is 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 good is that we play a lot with professionals i think that doesn't happen in all the countries around south america so i think that's the best part we got in chile yeah, that's interesting because because you know there's not as as far as I know you're the only uh, Chilean player on the PGA Tour, and I was just I was wondering you know just how competitiveness among juniors is what is going to drive you to be better, right? If you were the best player around you and there was no one to you know to push you to drive you to be better, there's I, I would I would venture to say it'd be a lot less likelihood that you would end up in in the spot that you are today. But that's that's interesting that uh, that you know you tee it up with you know professionals and whatnot. Did you have anyone that you looked up to, especially in, in Chile or or anywhere around the world, that was a, especially a role model for your game? Yeah. So in Chile, yeah, the only thing I wanted to it was win like the whole tournament. Uh, me against the professionals, and I think when I was 15, it was my first tournament I won. 15 or 16 that I beat a professional in, in a playoff. So I think that was like really special for me. Uh, it was a nice moment. And yeah, I mean, that's, it's kind of different because it's not like a, I think coming to the States and play like junior tournaments is, is tougher, but being back home playing with professional is, is like getting that win playing against professional is, is it was nice. Hmm. When did you start, I guess, traveling the world for, for junior tournaments? And, and, and what do you remember ab about that time period and what you learned? I remember my first tournament, it was the Junior War, Junior Callaway War, I think it was called back then. And I was probably like nine years old. And yeah, I mean, I was <laughs> I was nerv nervous and yeah, I didn't play great. It was my first experience out and I was, I, I gotta say, I was really nervous. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you, I guess when you came back home, did it was, I know you're nine years old, but was the picture, I guess, a lot more clear for you as to what you needed to improve on and, and you know, playing with other juniors that were around your skill level? Was there, uh, was there something to learn from that? I think it took me like a lot of time to like figure out my game outside Chile. Like I, I, I used to play like when I was nine, 10 or until like 13. I was playing great back in Chile, but every every time I came here to the States, I was coming probably like one one time a year for the summer here, and I, I would play one or two tournaments. And yeah, I mean, I never played great coming up here. I was nervous, like I was spectating too much for myself. Like I was putting too much pressure on me, you know? And probably like when I was like 13, 14, I started, I think I won a tournament. It was called like the Optimist that they do in Palm Beach. 
and it, it, it is not like a, a, a huge tournament, but it was something really special for me because it was my first victory outside from Chile. So I think after that, I started getting a lot of confidence on my game and like traveling and being my, myself. I think after that win, it helped me a lot to grow up a lot and start playing a lot better outside the outside South America. Hmm. You probably learned a lot from the adversity too of uh, some of the some of the tournaments you didn't play great in and the and the nerves that came with that. I'm sure there was some some learning experiences that came with that. Um, so what what was what's Chilean support like for you? What what's the level of fame uh, in your home country like? Yeah, so there's. There is a, a junior league that is called like uh, Gold Faction. It's like for people under 18 years old. And I remember every time I I came to the state because it was because Gold Faction because every you gotta you gotta qualify being the number one ranked junior player. So uh, every time I finished first, they they give me an invite to come here to the states, and I got into one or two tournaments sometimes. And yeah, I mean, I remember it, it was hard, but but yeah, I mean, they they of course they didn't pay you to to come here, so I gotta figure out by my own. My family had to figure out how to get the flights and all that stuff. And yeah, I mean, it was it was also from the Chilean Federation. There is a lot of help in between, but yeah, I mean, I, I had to pay some of my stuff, which it was hard a little bit for my dad. But yeah, we always figure out a way to come here and play and and get experience. Yeah, I was kind of going more towards, you know, what what do you feel as far as, you know, when you're playing in professional tournaments even today and when you go back to Chile, how uh how big of a uh, how big of a rock star are you back in Chile? Uh, in the video it, it looked it looked pretty cool uh, the excitement of your family when you you going back home and whatnot, but is it is it a is it a big deal and are people gathering around TVs to watch you back home? Yeah, is is yeah, every time I go back is is a little bit different. Uh of course, every time I go to a golf course where I play in Club de Polo, uh, all the people that I go through, they are like, hey, Joaquin, how are you? How was it? Congratulations, and blah, blah, blah. And they start talking to me. And I mean, I mean, it, it's fine, but I like more when like young people, like kids, like 10 years old kids uh, come up to me and like, hey, like ask me any question. I, I enjoy, I really enjoy doing that, like helping out them. Uh, sometimes I play with them. We go to the padding together. We hit some balls together, and like being around kids, I I, I really enjoy myself. I mean, I'm, I I'm still a kid, so I like playing with them. But yeah, I mean, the only the only thing I, I don't like a little bit is when like older people like start talking to me like, hey, what are you doing with this and blah blah and what happened on this tournament. So <laughs> that's kind of boring a little bit, but yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's part, it's part of the thing. Do do the older people try to give you advice on things? Nah, some, okay, good. sometimes they're asking me like some random questions that I don't like. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just that. <laughs> well, I mean, your your path to the PGA Tour, I guess, were you expecting to make it so quickly? I mean, a lot of, I guess, you know, was college golf ever a thought for you? And, and when did you realize you had the game to, to turn professional, especially at such a young age? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was I was trying to figure out if I wanted to go to school or just turn pro. And, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I remember when I finished high school, I qualified for the U.S. Open in Erin Hills. And that was the moment I, like, I realized after that week that I, I just wanted to play golf and... I didn't want it to go to school, and also I I really I have like good opportunities, good offers. So I think it was 
I think if I was going to college, there were more to lose than to win. So I just decided to turn pro, uh, get my chances. Uh, I got lucky enough that I got a really good agent, Carlos. <laughs> and he gave me a lot of sponsor invites also through Sergio, that Sergio helped me a lot to get into a lot of tournaments. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just, yeah, like you say, it was, it was really quick. I didn't know it was going to be that quick. I thought it was going to be, I mean, I got to say, I, I never thought I was going to make it through the first time to the PA Tour. Uh, my main goal was to qualify for the Tour Finals on the on the Conferry. And yeah, I mean, after I played a couple of good tournaments, I realized I was really close to get my car. So it was something really special. Yeah, I'd say. I mean, the class of guys that uh, that earn special temporary membership through, you know, most people know this, but you get seven unrestr- you know, sponsor exemptions that you can use in a year and you got to earn enough points to basically be 125th on the FedEx Cup list. And you, you were able to do that that very quickly. Your first PGA Tour event, or I guess your first professional event, I want to know what, you know, what was the most like, hey, welcome to professional, even when you're an amateur, welcome to professional golf moment, somebody you saw on the range, something you saw, there has to be, you know, you couldn't have been playing, you couldn't have been playing it cool that first time out there. What was the, what sticks out to you from that week? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I was more nervous, like from Monday to Thursday morning. Like I, I was like, "Oh man, how is it gonna feel to play as a professional?" And blah, blah, blah. like doing me this type of question, like, "Is it gonna be different playing for money, playing for a living?" Like, get the pressure of getting my car and get a and get a job, you know? And then I was on Thursday on the tee, and I was like, "Man, I mean, it's it's the same thing. I mean, I gotta hit the ball, I gotta do the same swing." I'm just playing with with uh, <laughs> with long pants, you know. It's just <laughs> the only difference. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, after I played the first hole, I was like, oh yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel any any much different. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I I played great that that week. So it was, I think I think playing great the first week as a professional gave me a lot of confidence for for the next events. A quick break here to remind you it is not too early to start gift shopping for the holidays, especially because today you can save big on a gift you're going to use every single day. That's Raycon wireless earbuds. You've heard me talk about these. I use them on walks. I use them while I'm hitting hitting balls on the range, while I'm you know building stuff around the house. I listen to podcasts on them. I listen to music on them. Seamless Bluetooth pairing, comfortable noise isolating fit. Uh, you can start listening right away. Keep listening for hours. I still haven't charged them since the last time I said that. Like you very, very rarely need to charge them. It says you get six hours. I swear it's way more than that. Audio quality is amazing. It's comparable to what you get from the premium brands, except Raycons start at half the price. So this holiday season, get some, that special someone or anyone in your life, something they can use for calls or music or for work or for play at home or on the go, or pick up a pair for yourself. Uh, trust me, you're going to want to use them every day. So go to buyraycon.com slash no laying up today to get 20% off your Raycon order. But hurry, this offer is available for a limited time only. You don't want to miss it. That's buyraycon.com slash no laying up to get 20% off your Raycons. I'm going to do it one more time. Buyraycon.com slash no laying up. Let's get back to Joaquin Neiman. Did you, was there anyone, like who would have been the person that you would have been the most nervous to be around, either to have played with or walk by on the range, or if they're watching you hit balls on the range, you would have been nervous to be around? Who's someone that, that, that uh, one of the, at that age, would have made you nervous? Probably, yeah, probably playing around Tiger, I think. I think the first time I saw Tiger was at Memorial. It was like my third or fourth tournament. 
which it was a cool experience. I remember I was playing great. I was almost on the last group on Sunday. And I mean, I could hear that Tiger was, I don't know, like 10 groups in front, but I could hear everything. And I was like, oh, Jesus, that's loud. And all the people following him. But I think Sergio helped me a lot to like get that pressure off, you know, like like know him before I turned pro. Like I, I was able to play with him before and, and, and know how good they are and also know that I can, like I can be here, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was actually at that memorial uh, that year, and I remember watching you tee off on the 10th hole one time. I'd never seen you hit a ball in person, and it just struck out to me immediately, and it shines through on TV, and I'm sure you hear a lot about how low you hit the ball. And I'm just curious, has that always been the case, and is that something that you know you, you were aware of growing up, or is there any special reason why you would hit the ball low in Chile, or, or do, do you, I guess, think about it, that at all? No, it was... Yeah, it was, it's funny because at the beginning, that shot is giving me a lot of confidence when I'm like a little bit nervous and I need to hit the fairway. I'll hit that shot. And I, I remember when I started playing as a professional, I, I used that, that shot a lot. But now during the time, yeah, I'm, I've been using it less. I, I've been using more like the high draw. I'm just trying to hit it farther. <laughs> and, but yeah, I still have that shot. I, I feel really confident when I hit it. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like my go-to shot. That's what I was, I was curious. And I was looking back at the highlights from when you won at Greenbrier and every now and then that 41 foot apex driver shot comes out. And I was, <laughs> I, I was just, I, it's just interesting because of how, you know, different the game appear, the direction the game appears to be heading seems to be, you know, track man and everyone's telling you hit it high, hit it high, hit it high. And I, I'm wondering if, you know, as you were transitioning from amateur into pro, if anybody came along and said, Hey, you could hit it this much further if you hit it higher. Or, it, uh, but I think to what you just said, though, it's it's interesting how you've uh, you've prioritized accuracy. But I'm wondering if uh, if that has evolved at all over the years. Yeah, it's, I remember when I play in firm courses, uh, that ball goes a long way. I mean, I I can probably carry like two two seventy, and it runs. It depends on the fairway, but sometimes when they're firm, for example, a like Greenbrier. They they run a lot, so sometimes it's not that short. But yeah, I mean, normally I've been preferring just carrying more with the high draw. Sometimes I got bunkers around, or when it's tight, I'm like, all right, I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm just gonna hit the the high draw. And at the beginning, I was probably, I don't know if I was a little bit more scared or no, but probably I I prefer just to hit that low one and being more confident with me and knowing that I'm gonna hit the fairway. But now it's more like. I feel like I feel better around the course right now, and I just I just hit that that shot that I like more, and it's been pretty good lately, so I like it. Do you feel? I guess where do you feel most comfortable? Like firm and fast conditions, or when when it's softer? Yeah, I like I like when when it's firm. I mean, I I, I know that I don't hit it really really high with the also with the irons. So I mean, it, it also it's, it's hard to me to stop a ball on the on the green when I when I'm like a five iron and they're firm. Because I don't hit it like really high, but yeah, I mean, I, I like playing with firm conditions. I think it's it's more fun and and playing ar around the green or hitting wedges from 120 yards is 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 good to see that like bouncing around the green. I think that's more fun. Yeah. I mean, if I find it interesting, you know, obviously when it's firm, your driver is going to run out a lot more, but like you said, it's harder to hold greens if you hit it low. And 
I um, I we all, I want to talk a little about Royal Melbourne and the President's Cup. You know, you have it's interesting. You didn't have the most success at Royal Melbourne yet at the same time at Olympia Fields this year, which was, you know, very firm and fast. You finished third. And I'm I'm I want to talk a lot about Royal Melbourne, but first off, well, I would say did you learn anything in particular from that week that helped you uh, in later situations when it is going to be firm and fast? Yeah, more than, more than the course, it was more like the atmosphere and like the like getting that that amount of pressure it was one of those weeks that i mean the whole week was like really intense and the course at royal Merber was unbelievable i mean i think it's one of my favorite right now <laughs> and it's it is a lot of strategy i remember ernie was telling us like don't hit many drivers you gotta positionate the ball like on the right side and it was more like a smart play and yeah, I think it was different course. I mean, I remember in Chicago, you just hit driver everywhere, and every bunker was like three or three or five, three ten carry. So I was trying to hit it as hard as I can, and he was going straight to, which is which it was really good that week. <laughs> well, I want to unpack some of that then because uh, I I am a I love when professional golfers, especially have to play some kind of strategy. And you just outlined it perfectly there. You know, Ernie telling you not to hit drivers, whereas Olympia Fields just gives you the right of way to just hit drivers all over the place. So what are some of the examples uh, from Royal Melbourne that you remember as far as strategy? Because I, I think back to that very first hole and seeing how the strategy on that hole changed from session to session based on where the pin was. You know, some days it made sense to hit a driver way down there, but you know, if the pin was tucked on the right, maybe it made sense to hit more of an iron off of it. What kind of an influence did did Ernie did, did Ernie as the captain have on on that decision making, and uh, how, what did you, I guess, learn about that as the as the week went on? Yeah, the good thing that like when we when we were on the course, there were like four captains, so they were telling us like, hey, you better hit it here because the group in front was here and, you know, it was tough for this pin. And we always talk about a little bit before the round, like where it was better to hit it. And yeah, I mean, I think we, we create a, a good strategy from the tee on depend every pin where it was, you know, but yeah, probably if I if I would go there again, I'll probably be a little bit more aggressive of the tee. <laughs> I like being more aggressive of the tee, but yeah, it was, it was a special week where I had to, listen to to the captain you know <laughs> well yeah i mean it, from what i gather there were at least one of your teammates maybe had some issues kind of listening to the captain do you do you have any any idea what i'm referring to it, i don't remember uh, <laughs> no no which one i i think uh i I'd, we'd heard some rumors that uh Hao tong lee was maybe a bit too aggressive <laughs> a bit too aggressive with the driver and that didn't sit very well with ernie yeah, Hatton. Yeah, it was funny. Hatton is, is is a really funny guy. I was I was laughing the whole week with him. <laughs> Just the way he talks, the the way he say things, it, it was really funny. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there was like something like off of him. Like Ernie didn't like it. I think it was just something. I don't know. I mean, he was he wasn't like really much into it, or I say, or I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. I mean, it was it was different. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean. So what's it like for your first match? What was your reaction, I guess, when you see that, you know, one, you're going to be paired with Mark Leishman, and two, your first match, first one off at the President's Cup, you're going up against Tiger Woods and Justin Thomas. Uh, the first name, of course, the one I'm focusing on the most. So, I mean, what was that excitement and nerve level like going into that opening match? Yeah, I remember they do, they were doing the matches, uh, the matches on the morning, I think. And, yeah, I remember Ernie told me that, yeah, you're going to play with Leish, and... 
I want you to go first because Mark is from uh, Australia and I, I want to get the crowd going, you know. And I was like, yeah, perfect. I mean, Mark, uh, Lichman is a, is a really good guy. I love playing with him. And it's easy to play with him, you know. So I was telling Tony, like, yeah, sure, I'll go first with, with Lich. And then they put Tiger and JT. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the beginning, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. And then I got to the tee. It was, I was a little bit nervous, I got to say. I was, yeah, I think it was my more, more nervous tee on, on the first tee. I hit an awful shot, but yeah, it was it was fine. After the first hole, I, I played great, and yeah, I mean, Tiger played awesome that day. I, I remember. Had you played with Tiger before in any other PGA Tour events? No, that was my first time. I remember I played just once here in Jupiter, but just like a random day, you know. But it wasn't like a tournament. He's in a in a different mood. He's more more serious. <laughs> yeah, he was extra dialed in that week. Um, so yeah. what, what's it, what's the aura, I guess, like? I mean, it's it's. I imagine it's kind of weird. One, you're, you're it's a home event for you and your team, even though you're not obviously not from Australia. But I also get the the sense that you know Tiger, even in Ryder Cups, carries this kind of people are still cheering for him, even if they're rooting for the international team. I feel like people still want to see Tiger succeed. Could you sense any of that out there? And what was uh, what was it like going up against him in competition? Yeah, I mean the the crowd in Australia it was it was it was good. I mean it wasn't like unfriendly with the America uh, team. I mean I never been to a Presidents Cup in 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 America, but I I haven't heard like great things. Like they were telling me like yeah it's tough. They're really rude. I'm like, <laughs> which is I mean it makes sense. I mean it's those type of events that I mean it is what it is, and you gotta have fun. And the crowd is gonna be like that, of course, because you're in America, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was, yeah, when you see Tiger playing great, I mean, nobody is like against him. I mean, Tiger is Tiger, I think, for me, is the best player on history. And yeah, I mean, the crowd in Australia, they were always clapping with him when he hit a good shot and when he was on the tee. So yeah, it was, it was fun to watch. Well, I got to ask at, at one point, there's a, a point in your match against Tiger where he's, he's stalking a putt. And it almost looked like you were maybe a bit annoyed or uh, maybe at how long he was taking. And you made kind of like a motion, like a circular motion with your Uh hand as if Tiger needed to speed up. And the cameras showed whatever that motion was. Did I read that motion right? Was that what you were referring to? (laughs) No, no, no. no. I never tried to do anything to anyone. (laughs) It was just a caption that it it made a lot of sense. But no, I was... I was just talking to myself maybe or doing some, I don't know, but no, it wasn't the case. Okay. I was going to say that would be quite the daring move for, uh, you know, someone yeah. uh, up against Tiger like that. <laughs> but it really did look like that. I, I tweeted out something yeah, about it. Really it really didn't look like that, but okay. yeah, no, I, I would never do uh, that. Okay. It's a lot better story if it is something that you would have done, but uh, that makes a little more yeah. sense than the other one. But. What is it, I guess, What did you, we touched on it, but what did you think of Royal Melbourne as a test for professional golfers? I mean, as a, as a fan, that was as engaged as I've ever been watching strategy and watching watching shots unfold. And had you been to Australia before that or played any of those courses? And, and, and what did you think of it? No, it was my first time. And it was, I mean, I, I really enjoyed myself there because playing that course, it was so much fun because you got to hit every, every, every shot you got. I mean, you gotta hit it high. You gotta hit it low. You gotta hit it left to right, right to left, and you gotta hit every kind of shot from the tee and from 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 the fairway to the green. And yeah, I remember playing with Tiger that first day. He he was playing awesome. I mean, he was. 
I, I like the the way he hits the the irons from the from the fairway to the green. I mean, every time it was right to left wind, he would hit it like straight at the pin and cutting and like playing against the wind, and it was yeah, it was it was beautiful. Hmm. <laughs> is there is there anything that you've played in professionally that kind of compares to that in any way? I mean, I know Augusta National is is designed by Alistair McKenzie, um, as is Royal Melbourne, but it, it plays, I imagine, much differently. But anything that you've experienced anywhere in the world that would compare to that yeah i mean now that you say it's kind of similar with augusta but it's like it's, it, it plays like really different because it's different type of grass uh different different weather but yeah i mean i mean you gotta hit it both ways and the greens are are with a lot of elevation and, and movement which is kind of the same but yeah i mean it i, I mean royal melbourne plays three or five times uh, faster and harder than than, mas than the masters mm -hmm. What uh, kind of backtracking a little bit here and talking about, I know we've kind of danced around talking about your first win, which came at the uh, at the Greenbrier last year. What was it like? You know, this wasn't your first time in contention for for a win, but what was it like kind of playing with the lead and trying to close that out compared to any other golf experiences you've had? Yeah, it was an amazing week. I, yeah, it was it was the whole week was awesome. I I really liked that place. I've been. It was my third time there. I remember I played my first tournament, my first like normal PA tour uh, event as an amateur. I played there, and then it was where I got my my card from the, my my tour my tour card, and then where I got my first win. So it was it's a really amazing place where which I love, and yeah, I mean just I I just remember playing on Sunday the the back nine and I I just think about that and it, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> but do you do you think about at, at that point in your career are you thinking what's the what's the biggest prize that comes with winning that are you you know I love a story of somebody who hasn't made a lot of money yet on the PGA Tour winning a lot of money uh, obviously the status that comes with it um, you know that locking that up for a couple of years what what are you most nervous about coming down the stretch? No, I mean, I, I wasn't thinking like too many stuff playing on the back nine. I remember I was so much into my game, like so much into getting the shot I wanted to. So everything was so quick during that back nine. I mean, I was I was like really into into every shot. I was I was feeling every shot. So it was it was amazing. Like I wasn't thinking on. I mean, I remember I was on 18 and I have no idea how what was my score, you know. <laughs> so it was kind of those rounds where you don't. Even know what your score is. I was, yeah, I was enjoying so much that every shot that I, I just took everything, everything away from my mind. And then when I realized that I was on on the green on 18, I was like, oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, it you know, I don't know how to get to this next topic. Really, it's obviously been a, a, a tough couple of weeks for you here, starting with you know you from that win, you're obviously eligible for the 2020 Masters, which gets delayed from uh, April into November, and then. Yourself and Sergio both were the two of the people that came down with positive uh, COVID tests before the Masters. Is it any easier to kind of accept that, knowing that you're already in another Masters that's just a few months away? Yeah, it was it was hard at the at the first time, but yeah, I mean, I, I was it was hard because I I was feeling that I was playing one of my best golf. I was hitting the ball great. I was hitting great of the tee. I was putting great. So. I was like really prepared and looking forward for that week, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it wasn't hard also to just stay home and 
and just I mean obviously I, I didn't feel great for like three or four days so I had to stay on bed but yeah I mean after that I was like nah, I mean it, it's fine uh, I'm gonna be back on April uh, so yeah I mean it wasn't that hard but yeah I mean it, it hurt a little bit yeah well hopefully you've got many 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 more years to, uh, to come playing this would have been your first one as a as a professional and I want to talk about your first experience in it but were you able able to trace back you know where you got the virus from yeah so I was here at my house and I was it was my mom here it was my brother my sister and one friend and I was playing golf and I invited another friend that was that lives close by and we played then we came to my house and did like a barbecue and then he left and like two three days after he texted me like hey I I don't feel great I'm gonna do the test and blah 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 and he did the test and he went positive and, he, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and I went there on Monday of, of Houston to do the test on the morning and I and I tested negative, which I thought it was weird because I wasn't feeling great on Monday. So I said like, nah, I mean, it can be because I, I wasn't feeling great. I was a little bit sore and, and I came back and did it again and then I tested positive and I was like, yeah, this makes more sense. Mm. Well, was it? Did you watch much of it on on television? No, not really, because I was so much looking forward to getting out of the house that when the Masters started, I was able to go out of my house on Friday at the Masters. So I just spent the whole day for the those three days outside. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't wait to go outside, you know, yeah. <laughs> and play golf. Well, uh, so you won the Latin American Amateur, uh, which got you in the in the Masters in, into 2018. What was it like? You know, what was your first Masters experience like? What was it like? You know, playing as an amateur. Did you stay at the Crow's Nest and do all that? Uh, it, it's it's just I I it's a a dream for everyone to experience that, and I love asking people about their first time there. Yeah, the Crow's Nest was amazing. It was a cool experience being around with all the members here at the at the amateur dinner on 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 monday it was it was a lot of fun it was funny because they it was like more than 200 people there and it was like five or six amateurs and they always speak like one amateur to to say like a little speech like saying thank you like we're happy to be here and for like one person to say for all the amateurs and they pick the only guy that doesn't speak english of course and they pick me <laughs> And they say like, hey, you gotta say some words. And that was be before the dinner. And I was the entire dinner so nervous, yeah. like practicing what I'm gonna say. Like, oh my God, it was it was bad. But yeah, I mean, I remember I, I saw a member the other day and he was like, yeah, I remember the speech. I mean, he said it was great. So hopefully it was great. <laughs> you know? Well, what, when did, what is your experience with English? When did you, did you learn it as a kid? How, you obviously speak it very well, but was that always the case? Yeah, I, I went to a school in back in Chile where they do like both. I mean, almost every class I did was in English, but yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't very good at school, so I never get to learn it so too much, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I mean, I think I learned more like traveling and being around people that speak English. I think at the beginning it's hard to 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 speak because you're a little bit afraid, like it, it's not going to sound great or you're going to talk, I don't know, 
nothing or you're, you're at the beginning i think you're a little bit scared but then you get a little bit more confidence and you just don't care what you say <laughs> well, that's what you know some people will you know say like you know why does so-and-so need a translator you know he speaks english why does he need a translator but i imagine like you said there's just a fear of one saying something wrong two misunderstanding a question and just being self-conscious of of you know how you sound that's why i always you know respect the people if, when people are willing to try english when it's not you know, and it's stepping out of their comfort zone. That's something that I'm sure a lot of people, you know, kind of struggle with back and forth. And that, that's the first thing you went for yeah. you know, when, when you talk about going for your speech. So I find that interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was hard at the beginning, but now, yeah, it's, it's fine. Now, now they all mess with me like, hey, I can understand you, like, but just joking. <laughs> so it's, it's <laughs> Well, who did you, uh, did you seek anybody out for practice rounds at Augusta that first year? Did you get to, you know, who did, who did you play with and, uh, and, and what were some cool experiences? Uh, I play with, yeah, I think on Tuesday I play with the Spanish guys, with Sergio, Rafa, and and Larrazabal, which it was a lot of fun because we speak a lot of Spanish. And then I play with uh, I play with Sergio again. I play with Brandon Grace, and I don't know who else we play with, but yeah, I mean, also at the at the U.S. Open I played with Roddy, which it was it was a lot of fun. Well, and a story emerged this past week about uh, your cousin and, and some and fundraising efforts you're making to uh, to help with a, a very expensive injection that will hopefully save his life. I'm wondering if you could uh, share some of the details uh, of that story and maybe how people could get involved uh, with your efforts as well if they're interested. Yeah, the last last couple of days I've been posting a lot of Rafita. That Rafita is a is a, is really close for me, and he was he's just one month old. And he was diagnosed with a spinal muscular atrophy, so it's a really rare disease, uh, and it's yeah, it's, it's really rare. I mean, the the odds of getting that kind of disease is like one out of ten thousand, and it's really uncommon. And and to get the cure, the only medicine that you can get is is the more expensive medicine in the world that is almost like two point one millions. So. Yeah, I mean, so I'm I'm trying to help him out to get to to get his medicine. Also, back in Chile, I got all my brothers that are helping out. They've been doing. They create an Instagram on. They they create an Instagram that is called Sabemos Rafita, and they've been getting more than ten thousand followers right now, which is really amazing. I mean, it's amazing to see how many people have been helping out. Because it's, I mean, it's really expensive medicine, and to get to that amount of money is, is really hard. I mean, any family in Chile cannot afford that. And so, yeah, I mean, I also last week I was donating five thousand for every birdie and ten thousand for every ego for, that I made during the week, and also my my prize money. So yeah, I mean, I I just been trying to help him out, and it would be awesome to to get the cure as soon as possible because I mean he needed and is the only way that he can survive and and still still alive you know yeah no I have it here you you were contributing one hundred fifty two thousand four hundred fifty dollars just from your uh, your prize money and your your birdies and eagles that you made uh, uh, this past week so and it, it's it's wild the, the the timeline of the story is what what's especially wild to me and how how tight the timeline is and and yeah how expensive it is I've I've never even heard of heard of anything like this. Which is more amazing, I mean, I mean, other than like trying to get the money, it's, it's amazing to see all the support from, from all the guys. I mean, I've been here for like just two years and I haven't 
like I haven't get to know every one of them, but it's crazy the amount of support that I I've been getting from all the guys from tour. Uh, is 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 amazing. So I mean, just just I mean, I don't know if he is Rafida is gonna make it or not, but just hopefully he does because it's a lot of money. But just getting just knowing that I got the support from all the guys is is really amazing and also from all over the world there is a lot of people that is been helping out I got I did a go follow me on on my Instagram to try to get all the money so yeah I mean more than 2000 people has been donating which is really 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 amazing and yeah I mean just know that I got all the support from all those people is is really special yeah who are some of uh, your your closer friends out there? You know, either that you know you've known for a long time, or friends you've uh, maybe made out on the PGA Tour. The main guys that I play practice round with and is is all the Latin guys. Uh, I play a lot with Carlos. He that he just won, which is it was amazing to watch, and also with Sebastian. Now now that Camilo is is back on tour and he played great last week too. Is is nice to be around him because I I remember I grew up I grew up uh, watching him on TV which he was amazing and now I'm able to also play with him and I play a couple of times with him also here in Jupiter and yeah I mean there is a lot of guys Sergio Johnny Vegas uh, yeah it's it's a really really nice group we got on on all the Latins. How did you end up uh, in Jupiter? How long have you lived there and and why did you choose to live there? I've been here since I turned pro, probably a little more than two years. And yeah, I remember I came here once with a with a friend that lives here in Jupiter. And yeah, I mean, I always heard that there are really good golf courses and all the guys live here. So, and also, I mean, Florida is one of my favorite places on the States. And it's also easy to fly back to Chile from, from Miami. That is just like an hour ago away. And I think that's why I, I choose Florida. I mean, I'm, I'm right next to the ocean, which I like too. So, yeah, it's, I like it here. It's amazing just the, the, the gravitational pull that place seems to have for professional golfers. The It grows bigger and bigger and bigger. It's all the a lot of the biggest names and a lot of, you know, many tour guys and everyone seems to be going there. Where do you where do you play most of your golf down there? What kind of games do you get in down there? Yeah, I so I started being a member at, at Dyke Reserve where, there, where there's a lot of guys there. Is Corey Connors, Adam uh, Long, and I also joined Medalist a couple of months ago, which is nice with a lot of guys there. And I got a friend from Chile also that is Hugo Leon, and that I play a lot of golf with him. So yeah, it's it's nice. There is a, a good group around here. Do you uh, do you? You said you played with Tiger out there. Was it at Medalist, and did, was that just kind of a random accident that happened one day, or how did you end up playing with him? Yeah, it was just uh, yeah, I was there, and then we. I was with Hugo, and yeah, he he like he was like, yeah, yeah, let's let's go and play, and we play a couple holes. Where from where I'm I'm sitting, I mean, your obvious your game is obviously translated well to the professional scene. You've won at such a young age. How would you kind of assess how your how your transition has gone, and what do you see as areas that you need to improve in? I'm looking at your your ball striking stats are are fantastic. Your putting seems to be pretty solid. What what where do you see your best opportunity to get even better? Yeah, I think is. It's not. It's not more like about that. I mean, it's just try to get everything together on the same week, and I think that's when when you win out here on tour because you gotta have every part of your game and your hundred percent to have a chance to win. So yeah, I mean, I I've, I've been feeling great with my whole game. I think it's it's been getting more consistent during during the time, which is good. And yeah, I mean, I just I just feel that I I need to be patient and wait for for my week. 
Do you have a, a favorite stop yet on tour? It can be for food reasons. It can be for weather. It can be for golf course. It can be, you know, for hospitality. What, what are some of the, the highlights of the tour season for you? Yeah, I got to say Hawaii was one of yeah, my favorites. I mean, more than, yeah, just being out there, it was, it was beautiful. What, uh, any, any, anything you've learned, I guess, from planning, scheduling and everything, you know, did you overdo it early in your year? Did you want to play more tournaments? I feel like every pro kind of goes through some kind of learning experience when it comes to scheduling and traveling and things like that. I'm wondering if you've gone through that. Yeah, it's hard to get a, a scare because every tournament I, I was looking at, at the other day, like what tournaments I want to play. And there's so many tournaments that they're so good and, I'm like, oh man, I, I wanted to play everything, you know. <laughs> That's what's, it's got to be hard to take weeks off, you know, when there's so many opportunities like this. Yeah, I mean, there's so many good places, good golf courses, good fields. So, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's really hard to decide, and sometimes not play one of your favorite events because you want to play. I don't know, like you're planning your strategy for for the whole year. But yeah, I mean, it's hard. But but at the minute you you, you think that you gotta rest sometimes also, so. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to do a good schedule. Do you have a, a rule of, you know, I won't play this many weeks in a row? And have you ever kind of overdone it a little bit? Probably, I'll say that my max will be like three weeks. Uh, I think sometimes uh, last year I did need to play a little bit more because I I, I wasn't playing great uh, for, for a time. So I, I decided to play a little bit more and just keep going. Um, but yeah, I mean, after that, I, I learned that nah, I don't need more than three weeks. Do you do most of the guys that fly, you know, come to and from Jupiter? How often do you fly private versus flying commercial? Or do you ever hitch a ride back on uh, on some of the guys that have their own planes? How often does that ever happen, if at all? Nah, I mean, not many times. Just just a couple of times I got lucky enough to to get into somebody's plane. <laughs> but but yeah, which it was unbelievable. So yeah, I mean, it's, I think there is nothing better than flying private. I mean, it's so easy, and um, especially when you work uh, out of your house and you gotta travel a lot. I mean, I think it's the best thing that you can do. I mean, just you, you have more days off. But yeah, I mean, there is not many many times. Hopefully, near the future. Well, you know, it's it's. Uh, I remember hearing Billy Horschel kind of explain the value in, in flying private. You know, it might sound really expensive, you know, even to a player, you know, as, as young as you. But if it saves you one shot over the course of a month, you know, the fact that you were able to get in your own bed and get there in time, is that how you look at it, I guess, at all? Yeah, that's kind of makes sense. I mean, I remember Sergio told me that uh, for one year, flying private, he who probably have more like probably like two like three weeks more off so which is really amazing like if he starts flying normal flights he will have like three less weeks of hmm. like off which is a lot yeah all right joaquin we're gonna let you go man really appreciate uh you jumping on here and uh best of luck uh in the masters next year we look forward to watching you tee it up there and uh can't wait to see what's next for you but uh, we'll have to do this again sometime thanks for coming on yeah perfect thank you chris yep. it was fun cheers be the right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, yeah. that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything.